welcome to Whole Brain Teaching, the podcast. Join your host, Rhonda Arl and Laura Forehand. We want to help you as teachers reach your full potential by keeping you up to date with all the latest and best Whole Brain Teaching strategies. Whole Brain Teaching is a grassroots educational reform movement founded by Coach Chris Biffle, Jay Vanderfin, and Chris Rexstad. Whole Brain Teaching's goal is to create peaceful classrooms through orderly fun. To support the podcast, please like and share with other teachers. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. And now, here are Laura and Rhonda. podcast. I'm Laura Forehand, Advanced Platinum Certified Whole Brain Teacher. I teach second grade in the state of Missouri. And as always, I am so grateful to have my amazing podcast co-host joining me today. Hello, everybody. I'm Rhonda Arlt, and I'm an Advanced Platinum Certified Instructor as well. And I teach second grade in Goddard, Kansas. Today, we are excited to have Executive Board Member Stacy Bile back with us on the podcast. Stacy was on episode eight of our podcast called Let's Talk About Virtual Teaching and episode 19, where she shared her knowledge about Peace Circle. Both episodes were full of valuable information. We want to encourage all of you to go back and listen to it. Today, Stacy is here for her third visit during our beloved Rascal series to discuss the bullseye game. Welcome back to the podcast, Stacy. Before we jump into today's topic, how did your school year go? What Whole Brain Teaching Strategy helped you the most during this COVID school year? Hello, everybody. Um, my school year was all virtual this year. So that was a complete change um, from my norm. But I would have to say it actually went really well, um, far better than I expected. I absolutely loved my students. Um, I was able to incorporate a lot of Whole Brain Teaching Strategies throughout the year and was still pulling tools out of my bag at the end. And um, yeah, it was, it actually went really well. We were able to do some things in person, like get together once a month at the park or whatever. So I felt really connected to my students. Um, oh, as far as one strategy, there's no way I could do that, but I can do two. So how's that? So my number one strategy to start the year that stuck with us through the whole year. And I feel was so valuable, especially with virtual teaching, but it was the same experience when I was in person was Peace Circle. Um, Peace Circle really bonded my kids. They came from different schools, so they didn't know each other um, at the beginning of the year. So that was a great way for Peace Circle, like the initial part to get to know each other, just doing the I feel and sharing. It took us a, a while to get to compliments, but it really actually was super valuable. The kids never wanted to miss Peace Circle. If I accidentally forgot, it was the first thing they asked for. So I would say peace circle. And then in terms of motivating and engaging my students, super improver, hundred um, percent. I would have been lost without super improver. And it, the kids were just still the last day of school, checking to see if they made it to Peregrine Falcon, you know, that type of a thing. Um, they were thrilled every time they leveled up. We did add some fun little things for them to do if they leveled up just to celebrate, um, lunch with a friend or things that were really going to build our community. I just kind of came up with things like that, giving um, someone else a star or something like that that really improved their um, engagement with each other. 
So they were really bonded by the end. And um, I found Super Improver very motivating all the way to the end. I was throwing stars like crazy that last six weeks, but um, <laughs> anything to improve, let's go. So it was great though. Um, so yeah, those were the two strategies. As far as this last year, I would have been lost without them. Yeah. And I think those that you, we've talked to so many teachers that, that those two things work so well, either face-to-face or virtually. So I'm so glad you had so much success with them. So um, we are excited to have you back on the podcast. It is always so good to see your face. I love that we can do these podcasts with Zoom so we get to see people for a while. Um, But we love that you're here to talk to us a little bit more about Beloved Rascals. Um, Based on your personal experience as a teacher, and you just celebrated 30 years, so congratulations on that. Um, how would you define beloved rascals? So, you know, it's funny. I was at a conference once and someone was kind of upset that I was calling the kids a beloved rascal. And I'm like, wait a minute, I think I need to define what a beloved rascal is. And it hadn't occurred to me that anyone would perceive that as negative. Um, cause a lot of times our beloved rascals can be our favorite students, right? I know we're not supposed to have favorites, but you know how that goes. So a beloved rascal to me is a student for whom I always say whole brain teaching are basics. Um, just using the basics and super improver and scoreboard works for 80 to 90% of our kids after, you know, a few months, you get them on board, they're all in. A beloved rascal is a student for whom some of our very best tools aren't the best fit. So they need more. They basically a beloved rascal to me is someone who just needs more of us. Honestly, they need more of our time. Um, they need more interaction, they need more feedback, and they need more support and accountability. So it's not so much that they're like the worst student you've ever had. Sometimes that is the definition, but um, I would just say they're a student who we realize just needs our very best and needs us to dig deep. I like that definition. Yeah, great explanation. So on previous podcasts in this series, we talked to Stephanie Meter about flight school and Chris Rexdad about practice cards. One thing that makes whole brain teaching so amazing is there's so many strategies or tools for that toolbox to choose from when it comes to our beloved rascals. So we're focusing in on bullseye game today. So what is the bullseye game? Okay. So the way I call, the way I describe the bullseye game is it's a one-on-one game. It's meant to be done with one to two of your students. This is not a game you're going to play with your whole class. Um, The bullseye game is an opportunity to open communication. A lot of times people think, you know, it's, it's super complicated. It's really not about that. It's about two things, increasing your communication with your student and your relationship, and then also increasing the student taking responsibility for their behavior. The goal isn't always to fix the behavior, but to help the student take responsibility for the behavior. And sometimes that's the key. Mm-hmm. to them deciding to change things. So that's kind of, in a nutshell, the rationale behind it. Um, and it's just an easy game that you can play very quickly. That's one thing I love about it. And it ties to any behavior plan. So if you have a school-wide system where you have a student who's difficult and they get put on a behavior plan, our district now uses the bullseye game when they're doing their behavior plan meetings, just because it so easily fits with a lot of what ki- the kids make their own goals. You just, you can really incorporate pretty much anything in a good behavior plan can be incorporated into the bullseye game. So how do you play this bullseye game? Ah, okay. So I will walk you through it. 
the way, the best way I like to walk people through it is to actually pretend like one of you is my beloved rascal. So which one of you two would like to be my beloved rascal? Rhonda asked the question, so I'm going to let her be. <laughs> okay. So I think when we talk about it this way, it helps parents. And um, I also explain it to parents. So just so you know, um, whenever I'm going to do a bullseye game, I do talk to a parent ahead of time because I just like them to know what's going on, mm-hmm. but this is, so I'm going to, um, give you an example of a student. So I know I forgot to tell you, um, kids who would need a bullseye game are like we said, the students who they're still struggling with whatever your daily routines are, whatever your typical strategies are. And you've tried flight school and you've tried practice cards and it's, or those weren't a good fit for that student and you knew it. You know, those, <laughs> some students, those, those flight school triggers can actually increase behavior problems. So, and we tend to know what kind of things will trigger our students. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Rhonda, I was wondering if you'd be willing to have lunch with me today. I have a new game I want to show you. So are you up for a game with me at lunchtime today? Sure. I guess so. <laughs> okay. So that's the first thing is just tell the student when they're not having a behavior problem at all that you would love to have lunch with them and that you have a new game you'd like to call, like to play with them. So we're going to pretend we're at lunch. And um, so Rhonda, um, I've been noticing, I want to show you this game I have, and I'm going to show you a bullseye. Are you familiar with a bullseye? Have you ever seen a bullseye before? Yeah, the Target store has a bullseye. Yes, exactly like the Target store. So our bullseye has a few more colors in it. And you're going to notice that on my bullseye in the middle, there's a five and we go four, three, two, one. So the white outer circle is a one. The middle circle is a five. So where do you think if we were like playing a game that you would want to land if you were playing bullseye? Maybe the five? Right, the center of the five. That's why there's a five there. That's the most points. But you can still get points even if you land on the outer part because you're at least hitting the target, right? So today what I wanted to do is talk to you about this game and just kind of walk you through how we could play. So the way we play it is we come up with something, you know, you and I both know that there have been some good days and bad days for you. And what I want you to think about is what's a behavior that maybe we could try to improve. You know, we have super improver. So what is something we could do? What do you think? If you thought about a behavior that you have that you could improve on, like I'm gonna give you an example for me. I have been really struggling to use the scoreboard. And as a teacher, it's really important that I use it. So that could be my behavior goal. I need to work harder at improving using the scoreboard. So let's think about a behavior that you could improve on, maybe even to get more super improver points or something like that, or a class rule that maybe you're struggling with, what's a behavior you think you might be able to work on? Um, um, maybe not talking when you're talking. Okay, right? That is a huge, why is that a problem? Because then I don't think I'm learning what I should and maybe my friend I'm talking to is not learning what I should, they should. Right. So, and typically with my students, if I have a beloved rascal game out, generally, the behavior is excessive. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, it's usually quite excessive if you're getting out the bullseye game. So for example, the student might be blurting out so often that you can't teach it all or something like that. Okay. Okay. I agree with you. Let's try it. So what I try to do, and sometimes I'll have a student who won't give you a behavior. So mm-hmm. I might list some examples and ask them to pick one. But, um, 
what I advise teachers to do when they're doing the bullseye game is pick the behavior that might be easiest for the student to change first. Okay. So for example, if the student um, maybe has three behaviors, maybe one of them is throwing things, maybe another one is um, swearing, and maybe another one is hitting people. Okay, I would probably start with the swearing one because that might be easier, but you'll kind of look at it as, as each child. You're going to look at them very individually and say, which behavior can we, might, can we probably be most successful with early on? Because the more successful they are at this game, the more likely they will be to add a different behavior once we move on to the next level. Okay, so Rhonda, I am so excited that you picked that goal. So that's the goal for the game. So what we're gonna do is every day, and we're gonna do this at lunchtime and at the end of the day, you and I are going to decide if you've improved on that behavior. And the way we're going to do it is we're gonna take this bullseye and we're going to say what your goals are for each part of the bullseye. So for example, a five would mean you spoke politely or raised your hand using strategies that we've given you during the whole half day. Okay. A one would mean you probably interrupted five or more times. A two would mean you've interrupted four times or a three might be you interrupted three times. So a four would mean, all right, I would switch it. You know what I'm saying? One time for four, two times for three. The right. numbers are hard for me when I'm doing it orally. So I would have this written out for the student. We would write it out together. Right. So you're going to define with the child what each part of the bullseye would be worth. It helps to help the child have ownership. So we've had our scorecard out. Now we know a five on the bullseye means this, a one means this. And I usually do a five and a one, and then we work towards the middle when I do it with a student. So here's how we play. Are you ready? I'm going to give you a post-it and I'm going to get a post-it. Now this is a top secret part of the game. You get a marker, I get a marker, and we're going to think back to your morning. And you're going to say what number you think you earned. And I'm going to say what number I think you earned. And we're not going to show each other until we say go. Then if our goals, if our numbers match, you get two points in the bullseye game. If our numbers are only one point away, for example, if you picked a four and I picked a five or you picked a three and I picked a four, you get one point. But if our numbers are two or more apart, you don't get any points, but it's no big deal because we get to play again the next time. So you never have to worry because you'll always get another turn to play. Now you're probably wondering, what are you going to do with those points, aren't you? <laughs> so, you know, I've noticed that you really wish you were leveling up a little bit faster. I've, I've watched you watching those levels. So here's what we're going to do. When you earn points, you earn super improver stars. So your stars, we're going to say if you get five points, you get a super improver star. So you can earn stars pretty quickly in this game. For example, if you get two and two one day, and then one the next day, you already have a star. So in a week, you could earn quite a few stars just for playing this game with me. Now, if it's a student who isn't motivated by Super Improver, you're doing something else, you would come up with another plan. I typically don't recommend trinkets. Mm -hmm. I recommend something like a pass. So I had a student once who the Super Improver wasn't that motivating for him. 
but he loved working in the office doing like heavy lifting. It was just his thing. And so he would earn to empty the paper boxes when they came into the cabinets. He loved doing that. And it was great for him, like from a vestibular way. So super cool. So you can create whatever reward system. When you um, get this from Teachers Pay Teachers, when you get the whole document, it actually walks you through and gives you blank forms to fill out with your students. So you can choose what your reward is going to be. I love tying it to Super Improver as often as I can, just because that's one less record keeping tool, right? Right. I like that too. So essentially to play the game, you're going to sit with a student, you're going to explain the game with them and we have it all printed out. So you just print it out and you can talk to the student. It's very easy to use. And then you're just going to check in with the student each half day. So here's the cool part. The student can get a one at the beginning and he might have gotten a one and I give him a one and he still can get points. And some people are like, well, if he can get two points for getting the worst behavior, why do it? Right? Because we're trying to get them to own that they got the one, because if they always say, oh, I got a five, I didn't do anything wrong. They're never going to get any points in the game. So what we do is I tell them that this game has levels, just like Super Improver, just like all of our other cool things we do. So after a week to two weeks, and guess what? You're in charge of the game. You can decide what timing you want. After, I usually say two weeks, the student can no longer get points if they scored a one. After that, we move to level two. And after a week or two, I'll say, okay, we're on the next level. Now you can only get points if you get a three four or five. So you're weaning them off those ones and twos. Um, and you're still acknowledging they might have a half day where they do get a one, but that's okay. We're going to play again the next half in the other half of the day. So that's essentially the game. It really is very quick. Your check-in is literally, I've done it walking down the hall because we're late for lunch. Here's a pen. You grab two pens, post it. You can play it on the fly. I've had a student get kicked out of school and he's sitting in the office waiting for his mom to pick him up. And he's like, we didn't play the bulls I game yet. <laughs> so we were playing it on his way out the door. And I mean, this child was, he had been, he'd run away. The police had to bring him back. And he, um, he still wanted to play the bulls I game and he knew he wasn't even going to get points for it, but he still wanted to play. So it's just, it shows us how important it is that we are in relationship with our kids. It was so important to him that I was still connecting with him, that I still wanted to play this game with him. And it just made a huge impact. So I am a huge fan of the bowling game for those students who truly need more than our typical classroom. Mm -hmm. So how does a teacher know when to pull this bullseye game out or when should they pull it out? I mean, you touched on it a little bit, but can you explain it a little bit yeah. more? So I typically would not jump to the bullseye game in October. I would try some of our other strategies. You know, I always say you should give kids at least six to eight weeks to even get on board with anything you do in the classroom because some kids are a little bit slow to warm up to things. Um, a little could be slow to warm up to you. You might just need to get to know them. They might have something going on at home. So I typically would say um, November is generally about the time I would do it. We start in late August. So November is typically a time I might do it. Now I have had some emergency situations where I do it in October. Um, or if you have a student that come, like, you know, you know that they're going to need the bullseye because you've heard it. You know what I'm saying? Give them a few weeks and then try it. Um, 
I'll tell you in a little bit about one of my students that was on the bullseye plan. And he actually came down and asked me to teach his new teacher the following year, <laughs> the bullseye game. He goes, I can tell we're going to need it. I <laughs> <laughs> love it. So, I mean, you can do it earlier. It's not that you can't, it's just that it would be harder. And then one thing I didn't talk about is once a student starts really becoming successful, they're getting fours and fives with that per- particular behavior. Mm-hmm. You move to the, you say, ah, oh, now you've reached a whole new level. And on this level, we're changing the behavior because you've mastered this one. We'll still work on it, of course. And we, I understand you might have some bumpy days, but let's try a new one and start over. And they actually kind of like that because then they're going back to level one in this new game again. Mm -hmm. And so you can kind of keep working on different behaviors as the year goes. And once I change a uh, behavior, I let them change the paths again. In other words, what's your reward going to be this time so that you can kind of freshen it up if it needs to be. I have had students on the bullseye game from November to the end of the year. Um, And it has gone about that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And some kids don't need it the whole year. I've had kids just ban it for a couple months, but I've had some of my kids that are, you know, I used to call them frequent flyers to flight school. They needed it for a little bit longer duration. That's awesome. That was a really great explanation. Yes. Sharing all that with us. A couple things that I heard. I love that you ask them to lunch when they are not having the behavior problem. I think that's really important because so many times, like for me as a teacher, I react to mm-hmm. a behavior, you know, um, I'll meet you at lunch, you know, sort of thing. And so it, it kind of takes that um that kind of threatening posture, if you will, away by saying, hey, you know, hey, I'd love to talk to you about a game that I have um, that I'd love to play with you at lunch. Um, that's that's a really good idea. And then I also wanted to ask you, so is the bullseye, is that like displayed somewhere or do you keep, uh, what, how do you, how do you manage that part of it? Oh, that's an excellent question. So you will see in some of our print materials that it says to display it. I have never had a student that wanted it displayed. Now, if the student wants to tell the class that they're playing this game with me, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Um, Occasionally you get those students who are like, how come you're not playing it with me? I want to play this game, that type of a thing. Um, I usually just tell the kids, you know, what's awesome is that you are earning super improver stars for this particular thing in our class, or you're using this to earn super improver. Mm -hmm. And um, honestly, I've even, I've talked to kids when my particular bullseye student might be out of the classroom and I've just said, you know what, our goal is that everybody's leveling up on super improver. And it's important that I do whatever it takes to help every student go up a level. And for some of us, we need different things. And I just have that conversation. Um, I've talked about that in kindergarten, like, Hey, we all sometimes need different things. And you know, it's a good conversation to have. And, and the kids are not clueless. Usually they're very aware that the student that's on the bullet game is having struggles with behaviors. They're, they're usually aware. It's not a secret. So I don't keep it um, up on my wall, but I keep it on my desk where the student can see it. Sometimes the student wants it on their desk. Mm -hmm. It's very dependent on the student, how well they can handle things on their desk. You know, some people say put the behavior stuff on their desk. Other times that just makes them want to rip it off when they're having a bad day. Um, One thing I didn't say that I wanted to go back to. So when you're checking in with a student that half day with the Mm post-its, say they do get a one. It's such a good opportunity to say, you know what? 
you've had like threes and fours the last couple of days. What's going on? Why do you think we had a one today? Like, is there something I can do to help you? Or what can I do to support you? Like, it is a way for you to check in. And a lot of teachers are like, well, what are you doing when they do misbehave? So you're going to have cue systems, but I don't make it a battle. Mm-hmm. So if I'll just say, we'll talk about this later, or well, you know what I mean? As long as the student's not hurting somebody, you know, I'm not going to say, oh, you interrupt, I guess we're going to talk about this at the bullseye game. You know, we're not going to lecture. We're just going to do the best we can to divert attention and <laughs> keep moving. But then I always, even if they've had a one and I show them, yeah, you had a one today. Um, I don't, it's not a time for a lecture. It's, it doesn't work anyway. It's usually, right. I can see that you had a rougher day today. How can I help you? For me to sit there and go, do you know what you didn't write? They know, <laughs> they already know. <laughs> They don't need us to point it out a million times what they did wrong. They already know. Even our kindergartners generally know, okay, that's what was wrong. So, and sometimes they do forget. They'll be like, I totally forgot about that time. And I'm like, okay, I totally understand how you could forget. It was a pretty small deal. You know, let's play again later. And that's just kind of how you handle it. And I'm glad you spoke to that anonymity part um, because I'm from a very small school district. And for example, next year, I'm probably only going to have about 10 to 11 kids in my particular second grade class. I know Rhonda's shaking her head. No way. Uh, I know. (laughs) I will give everybody listening that, that I'm very fortunate, but that was one of my questions was, you know, like you said, they kind of, they know the kiddos that, you know, Mm -hmm. are going to cause the behavior issues and how do you kind of keep you know, them from going, why aren't you playing that with me? Or what right. do you, I had a lot of kids last year that would want to know everybody else's business. So yeah, I'm glad you did that. Yeah. Um, but does it, being that I'm going to have a small class size, Rhonda has, what do you have more like 25, 26 kiddos in your class? It's like roughly about 22, I think. Okay. To keep it oh. small, but not that small. As yours. <laughs> so I'm assuming class size doesn't matter or does it when you're playing the bullseye game? I don't think so. I mean, I have played it. Um, I had a year where I only had, I had a year, like I, I felt like I was you Ron. I had, I had maybe 22. I've had, I started this year with 36. I've had 14, 15. It's all over the board and I've never size of the class has never been an issue for me. I had about four beloved rascals last year and that was tricky So I kind of like strategically went from most severe down and kind of once I got a few kids going, it really doesn't take that long. It just, I had to kind of work through it a couple of times apart rather than try to do all four at the same time. So you can do it with that. I I always say one or two hopefully is, is sufficient. So if you have more than one that you're playing this bullseye game with, do you do it separately? Or like if you invite them to lunch, do you have them both come or? No, I do do it separately. Once they're playing the game, they can come up at the same time um, if it works. Now I had, I had a time where I had two kids that they were oil and water. So I did them separately. I just said, okay. And I just took turns who came in the morning. One came first in the afternoon, the other one went up first and that just worked out fine. Okay, thanks for that clarification. So I want to switch gears for a minute, talk about teaching virtually, because I know like you had mentioned, I think you're going to be teaching virtually next year and there might be some other teachers too. 
So while we're hoping for a more normal school year, um, no one knows for certain, and you know there might be some options for that virtual learning as well. So can the bullseye game be used in a virtual classroom? And if so, how does it work? I think definitely. So the way I would do it is um, I would, you know, same thing, invite them to have lunch and we'd be in a breakout if your kids are all there or whatever. Um, and then my check-in time would be either they stay last or I would just jump into a breakout with that student quickly and check in with them. So it could absolutely work in virtual um, without a doubt. In fact, I did walk through that with one of my um, remote teaching partners for a student that I had to use the bullseye with last year. Here's what you might do, same blurting. I mean, being virtual didn't change the blurting for him at all. And <laughs> they usually tell their next teacher what I did. Like, they're like, I don't know why, but they always feel the need to say, well, Miss Spile used this. And I usually hear from the teacher, like, what did you do? Cause they said it helped. And it tells you what, that what they're longing for is connection. Yes. When kids want this again, what they really are longing for is our attention. Yeah, I was gonna, true. Yeah, and I was going to say that speaks highly of, you know, what you're doing to create those relationships with your kids. So, yeah. So one thing that I think we all love about whole brain teaching is the fact that we no longer have to have those dreaded trinkets or treasure boxes like you and earlier. I was so glad to get rid of that um, in my classroom. So what is the power of this game that keeps students engaged? And I think you've already talked about this, but just in case there's anything else you want to add, what keeps them engaged and coming back for more day after day? I think um, a couple things. I mean, it is the relationship. It is getting feedback. And then I think, you know, they have buy-in because they picked what the reward is and they, it's a game and they like levels. So it includes a lot of things that these kids are into. They love levels. They love games. They like to level up. I mean, it's all those types of things. So even if you're not using super improver, kids love levels. They play video games, no matter what video game they have, they're always trying to beat a level. And then being involved in what their reward is. And like I said, I don't do treasure. Mm -hmm. I always find something and it could be lunch with me. It could be that we're going to play, we're in a showdown on prodigy and math on a computer game at lunch, or it, it does, it can be time. I think that's the, yeah. instead of treasure, I think the treasure is time and give mm -hmm. kids the time that they're looking for. Some of my kids will ask if it can be a reward at home, but if it's a reward at home, I tell the parents that it needs to be time and not um, trinket stuff. Um, one thing yeah. that I had one of my students this past year, if he got, if he had a, a good day, um, a day where, and we weren't playing the bullseye game, but the thing he really wanted at, at the end of the day, if he, um, had a great day was just to, for me to print off a coloring page for him to take home. So yeah, it doesn't, you know, and that didn't cost me anything. So yeah, I think being creative and, and, um, talking to like getting on those Facebook pages and things like that and asking other teachers what works in their classroom, getting those mm -hmm. ideas. So, yeah. Well, I think sometimes too, the kids can come up themselves with what they want that we might not have even realized, you know, mm -hmm. that that was something that they'd like to do. So yeah. it's a great way to get to know our kids. Yeah, exactly. We would love to close out today's podcast with a personal story of how you use the bullseye game in your classrooms over the years. So how did using this whole brain teaching strategy reform um, one of your beloved rascals? So um, probably my, oh, it was, it was my first year after teaching kindergarten. I used it in kindergarten and it worked great, but I moved to fourth grade 
And one of my students had a reputation. I knew that he was a handful and I was like, okay, you know, I'm just going to give him time. And he, um, you know, we had a little bit of a honeymoon, like we sometimes do in the classroom. And then the wheels fell off the cart and this student was very volatile. Um, you know, he could destroy a classroom. He swore at me all the time. He'd run away. I mean, just, you, you know, all the you know, all the really level, high level behaviors that, you know, it really put a spin on the classroom. So I knew he was one of them that in October, I was like, okay, we're going to start the whole thing. And, and I knew he loved talking to adults. Like even on a bad day, he still talk, talk, talk. He struggled socially with his peers. But talking to me or talking to our principal or anyone who'd listen, he just wanted to talk all the time. And he was very knowledgeable about a lot of things. So when I offered him lunch, he was on it, all over it. And I mean, we had lunch. We enjoyed some time. I didn't break out the bullseye game the first second. And so he picked um, speaking politely. And basically what, what that meant was he didn't call me a name which was usually profanity, or he, he said, if he didn't like what I was teaching, he'd yell, shut it all the time. So we talked about what that would be, what that would look like. I got used to it, but <laughs> to the degree you can get used to it. So anyway, we played the bullseye game and his both, he had um, two family dynamics going on, but I invited them both in. I explained it to them. So we had complete and total buy-in. Um, and they did ask to see how, what he was doing. So we had a little plan where I would just email it to them. I didn't want him to have to have that paper because that always invites drama if the paper isn't good. So um, we just did an email, no big deal. And we played the game and it started off real rough ones, you know, but eventually it got better. It took time and we ended up playing it all year and behaviors increased. Did we have bad days and good days? Of course we did. Did he make some bad choices throughout the year? Of course he did. But on a general level, it really improved over time. We went from the swearing, he was a big door slammer. So then we worked on that. And then we worked on the hitting and that. And so we worked on each skill over the course of the year. And, and the rewards changed from sometimes it was playing a game with me at lunch, you know, which actually worked out good because on that day he didn't have any issues on the playground, those types of things. Mm -hmm. So the reason. I love to talk about him is at the end of the year, he, um, we were playing a game online. It was a Kahoot or something. And he put that his name was RIP Mrs. Bile. And I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, I thought we had made progress. Cause at one time he did try to kill me. He brought in like a knife and duct tape and stuff. So I hear him, he puts RIP Mrs. Bile. I'm like, Oh my gosh, are you serious? So <laughs> I talked to him. I'm like, he's like, why are you deleting me from the game? I'm like, come here. What kind of name did you give me? And he was, well, it just means that I'm not going to have you for a teacher anymore. And I'm like, okay, can you come up with something else? And he's like, okay. So then it was, I heart miss or I love Mrs. Bile. Okay. Whatever. I don't think he meant it, but that was fine. So as he was leaving that day, that was the last day of school, he was walking out the door and he'd been kind of a turkey that day. And, and I'm saying goodbye to my kids. And he grabbed hold of me and hugged me to the point where I thought he was going to break my ribs. And he was crying. And he's like, I'll see you next year, right? And I'm like, yep, I'll see you next year. And he is the student who came back to me the first day of school when he turned, went to fifth grade. And he's like, yeah, you're going to need to come down and talk to Mrs. 
um, because she, she needs this game. I can tell we're going to need it. <laughs> and they did play it and it has gone well. And, you know, he has his bumpy days up at the middle school now, but he, for the most part has come a long way. And we, we have a relationship. I mean, he, in sixth grade, he would come down and ask if I could be his reward on his bullseye game. So it, we were still using it with him two years later and he was still making progress with it. So I think that he's a really good example of how we don't give up on kids. Mm-hmm. He had, you know, he had had a lot of tools and that tool was a super simple tool. And we just kept tweaking it a little bit here and there. And he was able to find a ton of success with it. So yes. And That's a yeah, fantastic really, story. Yeah. it was a journey. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my goodness. That really speaks to like the power of the bullseye game, but also, you know, the power of your consistency and being a teacher and yeah. that's going to be there for their students. That's, that's awesome. This has been a really like eye-opening for me episode in our beloved rascals series. Um, the bulls, the bullseye game is a strategy that I haven't used yet. Although like, as I'm talking to you, I, there, I'm thinking back, thinking there were probably some times in my classroom, in my teaching career, I could have brought that game out um, and it would have been really successful. So after today's, today's podcast, I definitely feel much more comfortable utilizing it. Um, and that's our goal with these podcasts is really to reach out to teachers. Cause I think sometimes And, you know, I know this has been a really hard year for a lot of teachers, but sometimes I think we feel like we're just at the end of our rope and I don't know what else I can do. And yet we bring, we try to bring these podcasts to bring teachers hope. And there is, we have one more game for you to try. We have one more, one more strategy um, that you can take to your classroom. So if people want to know more about the bullseye game, um, or just have questions for you because you've told some very powerful stories here. If someone wants to just get a hold of you and talk to you about a situation in their classroom, how can people find information about the Bullseye Game or find a way to talk to you? How can they get a hold of you? All right. So the easiest way to get a hold of me is go to wholebrainteaching.com. And if you scroll down, you'll see our staff pictures. Go ahead and click the link and you'll send me an email. Um, a little bit of grace during the summer. I try to get back to people within 24 to 48 hours. All right. And then to find out more and to see all the, how easy it is to print and just follow the steps. If you go to teachers pay teachers, that's where we have our bullseye document. So just search whole brain teaching bullseye game bullseye is one word. Um, you really can just print it out and follow it and it'll give you tons of information, but I am always happy to help teachers with their trying it out. Um, walk them through it and have a conversation if you need to have a phone conversation about how to get through each step but it's actually we've gotten the document to be pretty concise as to how to step-by-step walk through it but yeah I'm always happy to help if you want to email me awesome thank you we are thankful for your willingness to come back on the podcast Stacey and we hope that you will come back again maybe several times we are also (laughs) very thankful to you our listeners We hope you will revisit this and other podcasts whenever you need a quick review. Also consider sharing these podcasts with all the teachers in your life. We are here to help you in any way we can. We will be back in a couple of weeks with another podcast. Until then, thank you for joining us today and God bless. Thank you, Stacey. Thank you.